Hi everyone and welcome to another episode of the Motherkind podcast with me your host Zoe Blasky where each week I chat about all things motherhood and well-being. My mission with this podcast is to help you reconnect to you, to feel happier, more joyful, calmer and that little bit kinder to yourself because I think life as a mum in this hectic modern world is hard enough as it is. I believe becoming the happiest, most alive version of ourselves is the most important and inspiring thing we can do for our children. I am really excited because this week, Sweaty Betty are supporting the podcast and in doing so are helping to ensure that I get to keep putting out this weekly show. When I first started Another Kind, I wrote a list of all the brands that it would be a dream for me to work with, and Sweaty Betty was one of those brands. So it does feel a little bit like a dream come true that they are working with me on the podcast. Because not only do I absolutely love the product, I've worn their leggings for years, and let me tell you, they last incredibly well. I also love what the brand stands for and how female empowerment really is at the core of the brand. You can absolutely tell that they've got an all-female design team. And if you follow me on Instagram, you will know that I've just started very slowly exercising again now that Rose is three months and I've been wearing my Sweaty Betty Zero Gravity Leggings. They are super comfortable and really flattering, which is giving me confidence as I'm slowly getting out there into the world of exercise again. I mean, let's be honest I'm also wearing the leggings a lot when I'm not exercising let's be real and they also look great as I'm on the nursery run or just running around with the girls so I would love you to try Sweaty Betty and you can get 20% off full price product with code MOTHERKIND so that's MOTHERKIND at the checkout for 20% off now on to this week's episode hi everyone welcome to this episode of the podcast What a time we are in. I hope that you are well. I hope that your family is well. And I hope that everyone that you know and love are well. And I hope that you are managing to stay relatively sane. I've been calling this the perfect storm for parents because I think this new reality that we've been thrown into is incredibly challenging on so many levels for us parents and caregivers and I hope that you are doing okay. I've been hearing from so many of you about how you're feeling stressed and overwhelmed and guilty and anxious so I really hope that this podcast episode is going to support you. It is with Sandy Newbigging. Sandy is a modern day monk so for 17 years he's been teaching meditation, he has been helping people find calm which is exactly what we need right now. He is also the author of 12 books and has an incredible offerings on his website. So I would encourage you to check those out. In this episode, Sandy talks to us about how the only thing we can really control right now is our mind and our mindset and how to do that, how to disconnect from those thoughts that might be rushing us forward into catastrophe or back into the past into guilt and stress he talks about how 
The place to find peace is in the present. And actually it's when we leave the present or when we resist what's going on that all stress begins. And I know this to be true in my own life. I also know it to be incredibly challenging to do these practices. So Sandy offers lots of ideas and support for how to actually do what he is suggesting that I personally found very helpful. I loved this episode. I love Sandy as a teacher. I've been following him for years. And I just wanted to let you know that I'm going to be joining his weekend workshop. It's all online at the end of April. It's called The Mind Detox. It's a Saturday and a Sunday. And there are six different modules on there that delve deeper into this work. I'm going to be doing it. So I just wanted to let you know, and Sandy's offering 50% off at the moment because of the coronavirus situation. So if that is appealing to you, then please do check that out on his website. Another thing just to share before we start is a bit of an apology from me on the quality of the recording. Clearly we did this over Skype. Sandy was in Mexico. It was quite noisy. I have done my absolute best on the edit, but it's not up to the usual standard. So I hope that you can listen past some of the background noise and really take the wisdom that Sandy imparts in the episode. And I hope you enjoy it. Here it is. Sandy, welcome to the podcast. I'm so thrilled you've made time to chat with me this afternoon. Well, to be honest, time is what a lot of us have right now. (laughs) But you're very welcome. (laughs) So you are in Mexico and I am in Derbyshire in the English countryside. And I'm curious about how you're feeling right now. I'm feeling good, actually, to be honest. But I have been sharing with a lot of people that I kind of feel the last 15 years of exploration to this stuff has kind of been my preparation (laughs) for times like this. I've been doing my best just to apply what I know and what I've been sharing to others. It sounds really poncy, the answer, but it's kind of honestly the truth. There's moments where I kind of go, will I ever get home? You know, as a little bit of background, I was meant to be flying a couple of days before this whole thing hit Europe. I'm from Edinburgh, but I live in Spain. And so the borders got closed and we made the choice just to kind of head to a little town on the coast in Mexico and just lay low for a bit until this whole thing passes by. So we're currently in a place called San Angustinillo, Pacific Coast, and I'm sweating my ass off. <laughs> There's just moments where you kind of go, how long is this going to go on for, really? You know. But apart from that, I'm doing okay myself. Thanks for asking. Yeah, and I really liked that you shared that, that actually you're able to take all that you've been practicing on the road, as I sort of call it, in this situation. I feel quite similar, actually. And it is hard not to sound, as you say, quite poncy about that. But I think I'm a long-term meditator too. And, you know, all those times that I've just not wanted to do it or I've hated it or I've resisted it, I'm sort of grateful that I pushed through that because I too feel pretty calm. You shared on your Instagram one of my favourite parables, and I'm wondering if that might be a really interesting place to start for people, which is the good or bad, who knows? Oh, yes. I love that story. It's one of my favourites. Could you just share the story and then how people could apply that to this situation? Because what I'm seeing a lot of is people catastrophizing, projecting fear into the future, not being okay with uncertainty. And I think it's such a beautifully simple story and so relevant for right now. There was a wise old man and he was just minding his own business quite happily 
one day and his horse ran away. And his neighbour came over all sad and all, sorry to hear your horse ran away. And the wise old man said, good or bad, who knows? A few days pass and his horse comes back, but bringing 10 wild stallions with it. And the neighbour comes over looking at the spectacular scene. Wow, this is amazing. You've got all these free horses. And the wise old man says, good or bad, who knows? A few more days pass and his son is out breaking one of the horses and he gets thrown and breaks his leg. And the neighbour comes over concerned. You know, I'm sorry to hear that your son broke his leg. And the wise old man says, good or bad, who knows? few more days pass and the army come through town looking to enroll all the healthy young men in war and the son can't go. Good or bad, who knows? There's a different versions of that story that's been shared over the millennia, <laughs> the centuries, but ultimately that is the version I remember and I just love that story because it does help us to take a step back, to refrain from jumping to conclusions and assuming the worst going less into the future with worst case scenarios. And it, it just helps us to kind of go, well, it might look bad, but ultimately, ultimately, who knows? Yeah, and it's so interesting what I'm seeing right now is this sort of dance, and I'd love to get your view on this, of people sort of in denial and people in the opposite denial, in absolute panic and fear. And you talk a lot about just accepting reality as it is. Can you talk to that and how that idea might be helpful for people at the moment? Well, you know, we're often conditioned to believe that our life, our circumstances, other people, news, world events is the cause of our stress, struggle, suffering, anxiety or whatever. And as long as we continue to believe that that person is making me feel this way or that thing over there is causing me this stress and anguish, then we're going to end up being disempowered because we're giving our power away to these external things. Ultimately, what I've discovered over the last 15 years exploring this very deeply, you know, I've become a monk along the way, meditated for thousands of hours, done hundreds and hundreds of my detox sessions with people all over the place. You know, what I've observed is there's a common denominator in stress, in struggle, in suffering, and that's conflict. Now, when I say conflict, I mean inner conflict. And conflict internal requires kind of two things. You have a resistance and you have attachment. And when we're playing out either of these two things, we usually end up struggling, suffering, and experiencing lots of anxiety or stress. So the stuff in our life isn't necessarily causing us the stress. It's our internal conflict with it. I'm resisting it because I'm attached to something else happening instead. Now, if you get your head around that simple, simple formula, if you're stressing out what's really going on, it's not the thing that's making me stressed. It's my thoughts about the thing. But these thoughts are conflicted thoughts. I'm resisting it. I don't want this. This is bad. This is wrong. It's worse. It's negative. Or we're kind of attached to something particular happening. The child has to be asleep by six or they have to get the shoes on by a certain time or whatever it might be. I don't know. But, you know, if we're attached, then we start getting stressed. If we're resistant, we start creating negative emotions. Is this making any sense at all, Zoe? Yes. <laughs> what I would love is given the current situation, this would look like someone who is maybe incredibly anxious because they're attached to the idea that their child should be going to school every day and mm -hmm. resistant to the reality that they are having to homeschool right now. What I'm hearing you saying is that it's that resistance and that attachment to how things quote unquote should be that's mm -hmm. causing the stress mm -hmm. rather than 
I guess it's the letting go, isn't it? A letting go of those expectations of how we want things to be. Is that right? Yeah, it's letting go of all the stories in our mind, basically. Our mind wants to come up with stories after stories after stories. And one of the main problems people have is we believe these stories are real and we fully get caught up in them and we think that they're reality. We just basically have a commentator chatting away in our head and the commentator is really judgmental a lot of the time. (laughs) It's constantly deciding whether X, Y or Z is good or bad, right, wrong, better, worse, positive, negative. And we're kind of often living out through this kind of lens of what I call the judgment game. And if we end up on the bad, wrong, worse or negative side of this judgment game, we usually end up resisting it and we end up in conflict with it again. The good news is that If you can see these stories and let them go and just be fully present with what is showing up, there's going to be a lot less stress and actually a lot more joy and a lot more peace. It's actually going to be fun. It can be a real adventure. But what happens is we get too stuck in our mental ways, like how life should be and what should be happening right now. We lose the magic and we lose the joy. And I don't know anybody, I don't know any mum I've ever met that doesn't want magic and joy, you know? And I know that because they don't want the stress and the fatigue and the monotony or whatever, you know? They want it. If given a choice, if they could wave a magic wand, it would be a joyful experience to be a mum. And I think one of the reasons you might do this whole podcast is that ultimately, That's what you want people to be able to have more of, you know, enjoy motherhood. Am I right or wrong? Yeah, you're right. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) So we want joy. And we know when we're being really serious and grouchy and short-tempered or controlling. And what we ultimately want is actually a more liberated relationship with ourselves and with our kids. And we want to be able to roll with what's happening and be creative and spontaneous and play with it. And then a part of us also wants to make sure that I'm a good mum and they're going to get their education and they're going to get fed on time and, and everything's going to be clean. And, you know, and there's this huge benchmark and ideological standard, which is totally made up, but, you know, we, <laughs> we put so much pressure on ourselves. And the more we let go of all these stories and ideas and expectations and criteria and hoops that we have to jump through, the more we can actually see that we're doing a great job and the kid's going to be fine, you know, and... This is a new experience and let's make the most of it. If I am in my head resisting it and moaning about it, it's going to have an impact on how I am around the child or how they are towards me or just the general enjoyment of the whole situation that we're going through. We're all in the same boat right now, which is a very unique scenario. And we have a chance to really stop and be present with our children and make the most of this unexpected set of circumstances yeah and if someone's listening to this they might intellectually get it I know I certainly do but there's a lot of people going to be listening saying that's all well and good Sandy but I have to get my kids to do their maths I have to get them to do their sums you know the schools have been sending out all this content and work that children have to work through and I was really interested when you said I can't remember your exact phrasing, but that that's all an illusion, that that's all this standard that is made up anyway. Can you talk to that? Because what I'm hearing from a lot of my community is that's where a lot of the stress is coming in. This idea that in this crazy situation, they still have to be achieving and doing as opposed to being because of this external force of education. I think in your question, you give a huge clue as to what shift a person needs to make in order to feel better. 
you said the word have to, have to, have to, you mm-hmm. know, and words matter. Words are things, you know, words impact our inner experience of life. And if we're in a have to or should or must, we're in a lack of choice. And I know it might sound a bit, you know, self-helpy to say this, but you have to get from have to to choose to, <laughs> to feel better. Now, the way you get from have to to choose to is to remind yourself that actually you are choosing to do this because you are. And a lot of people are kind of in this idea that, no, the law says this and the school says that. No, no, you're choosing to do it. You could, if you wanted, never do it again. And you go, well, there's consequences. Yes, there are. But people say to me, you know, I have to go to work tomorrow. I'm like, well, if you have to go to work tomorrow, it's not going to be as fun as if you choose to go to work tomorrow. You're going to have this inner begrudging resistance to having to go to work tomorrow because you don't really want to. Why do you want to go to work tomorrow? Well, so I make money. Why do you want to make some money? Well, so that I can continue to shop at the nice shops I like to shop at and go on the nice holidays I like to go on and so I can drive the car that I like to drive, so I can do all the things I want to do. Then they start going, well, actually, I'm choosing to go to work tomorrow so I can choose to keep feeding myself that fancy food and dressing myself that fancy way or whatever. Does that make any sense? Yes. So we need to move from have to to choose to. We need to be very mindful of our words. I have to get home and feed the kids. No, no. I think you actually choose to do that. (laughs) You do choose to make sure your kids have food in their stomach. (laughs) And it's just a nicer tone for yourself if you just are careful with the words you use and you start to recognize, no, I'm choosing to do this. (laughs) I'm choosing to make sure my kid has an education. I'm choosing to make sure they have clothes on their back that are clean. I'm choosing to have a clean environment for them to live in or whatever. Does that make any sense? Yeah. I'm choosing to do this. I'm choosing to do this. And as long as you remind yourself, it's your choice. It does help massively. It honestly yeah. does. Honestly. I, I'm already, you've already kicked off a load of thoughts in my mind because I am choosing to not do any education with my little girl. She's only four, so she's not at primary school yet, but I've been sent tons of stuff that we're meant to be doing. And I'm just choosing not to do it. And it feels very empowering. And I love what you're saying because have to is disempowering, isn't it? It's like you're giving all your power away to these outside authorities. Whereas choosing to is exactly, as you said a couple of sentences ago, putting us back into the driving seat of our lives, of our days, of how we're spending our hours. I think that's really powerful. Freedom is a massive value for me. I think it's why I've always pretty much worked for myself um, and choose to live where I choose to live and stuff. I find it fascinating when I hear other people and how limited their worldviews become that they think they basically have to stay in the town they're in and do the job that they're doing and pay their mortgage and all that sort of stuff. And it ripples out through. I'm not saying there's not consequences for making different choices. But if it generally isn't happy for you, you should definitely be making different choices. <laughs> you know, if it's not bringing you joy, if you're feeling like stuck, if you're just going through the motions, you need to start making different choices. And the consequences need to be, well, just part of the process of you actually living the life that you really want. What I'm trying to say is I'm not saying everyone should just not pay the mortgage tomorrow and walk out the front door and leave everyone behind. I'm not saying that. I'm saying we need to remember that we are the choosers of our life right now. And you actually have a choice. You could go and strike if you wanted to. You're not going to because you love your kids, but you could. It's your choice to do this. Is this making any sense? I can imagine this conversation could press some buttons because I imagine a lot of people listening, the mind is going to want to throw up, no, but Sandy, you don't understand. 
yes. kind of thoughts. You don't know my situation type of thoughts. And I'm highlighting this verbally because I want you to really see that that's also your mind. The same thing that's putting you in this false prison or this perception of a lack of choice. We need to see that these thoughts that keep us stuck or keep us limited or keep us in a situation that we don't love. And part of a person's spiritual journey is to wake up and to surrender these and to let go of them and to live a much more liberated life. Freedom is an inner experience. The journey home to freedom is inner. The journey home to peace is always going to be inside. And we often blame our sense of lack of peace and freedom on the outside circumstances. So I also need to make sure that as we're talking about this, the mind is going to want to project out and go, no, I can't. (laughs) I don't have a choice because of X, Y, or Z. I'm saying ultimately, when I talk about freedom, it's an inner freedom. Ultimately, it starts there. And then as you get it inside, it starts to show up outside. The outer reflects the inner, as above, so below. These are very timeless teachings. Yeah, that's my experience. um, Yeah, that's exactly my experience, actually. When I first started waking up or becoming conscious or whatever words we want to put to it, my outsides actually mm -hmm. didn't change for a few years, a good few years. It was the insides really changed first. And a lot of what you're describing is spot on for what happened to me as well when I suddenly started to realize that I was living in this prison of basically what I thought I should be doing. And I ticked Mm -hmm. all the outside boxes. Like I got the good job and I got the degree. It all looked good, but I felt suicidal on the inside. Mm -hmm. It's so true. It's been a truism of my life. And I know it's a truism that people's ego, which is what I call it, that thinking sort of stuck mind will be saying, how can you be having this conversation when we're in the middle of a global pandemic? Well, thankfully, the majority of us are just sitting at home. That's our contribution to helping solve this problem. And everything beyond your current walls is going to be mind made. (laughs) And it can create a lot of fear and a big story. Break that down. I think that's really important. What does mind made mean? There's a difference between your real life and your imagined life. Your real life is what's happening right now. So if you literally, whoever's listening to this, look around Right now where I am, I've got a desk, I've got a computer, I've got a window and some trees outside and I've got my suitcase beside me because I'm away from home. And and my real life is me sitting on this chair having this immediate word with you. Even a conversation is beyond this moment because ultimately this moment is made up of this word I'm saying right now. And now obviously that comes together to make a conversation like this. Our real life is happening right now, like immediate. And your life circumstances Your imagined life is everything else. One of the reasons people find spirituality and these things difficult is because they confuse the difference between their real life and their life circumstances. You need to see that right now, as you listen to this, I don't know where you are. Let's say you're in your lounge listening to this and there's a kid next door or in the same room and and you've got a cup of tea in your hat. Like This is your life right now. What's the pandemic? You know what I mean? You're, You're holding a cup of coffee or tea or whatever. You're in your lounge. The kid's over there. And then if you start worrying, like, oh, this global pandemic, it ends up becoming this story perpetuated by the news and all that sort of stuff. I'm not saying it's not real. I'm not saying there's not people having a hard time. I'm saying we're stressed because we leave the moment we're in. And right now we're quite lucky because our literally the way to combat this is to go home and get some rest or at least hang out. Hopefully this is making sense, guys. Yes, um, it makes total sense because what I've learned is that When I can get really present, which is what you're talking about, I think, then there's pure peace. Because Mm -hmm. in this moment, 
this moment right now, my kids are well, I'm sat here well, in this moment, all is well. When I leave this moment and I want to, yeah, as you say, project fear into the future, that's when I start to get stressed. The challenge is, is that, as you were saying, are our minds wired to leave the present moment? Why is it so hard when the peace is in the present moment? Why is it so hard for us to just rest there, to stay there, to be there? Because it's a habit to think all the time. The mind is always in the past or future. But the thing is, we have a mind, but we are not our mind. We have a mind, but we're not a mind. We have thoughts, but we're not our thoughts. We have emotions, but we're not our emotions. We have a body, but we're not our body. We are something that's permanent and unchanging. And that which is permanent and unchanging is already at peace. You said something beautiful earlier. You said, when I'm fully present, there's perfect peace. And then you said, because my kids are okay and I'm well and stuff like that. I said, I would be careful with that kind of because, because when you're fully present, there's peace because you're not thinking. To become present, you have to become aware, really conscious and aware. And when you become conscious and aware, your mind becomes quiet and you start to experience the consciousness, which is still and calm and peaceful, instead of be fully caught up in the mind, which is moving and busy and judgmental and in the past and future and all that sort of stuff. So I'm trying to make the distinction why is peace possible in any time, anywhere, in any circumstance? It's because it's not dependent on any time, circumstance, or situation. And so what I'm trying to help and communicate with people is don't pin your hopes for peace on things going to your plan, people always being nice to you, always being on time, never being sick or whatever. When it came to me experiencing peace, I really wanted to experience peace irrespective of my circumstances. And there's a great freedom in that. Is this making sense so far? Yes. So I'm not trying to be pedantic and pick away your words or whatever, but I want to make sure that I never convey to anyone that our peace is dependent on circumstances. Why is that so important? Because someone listening to this, for example, could hear us and go, well, I can experience peace because I'm not well or my kid isn't well. You see, what I want people to know is actually peace is a byproduct of where you put your attention. Is your attention on your mind or on the moment? If your attention on your mind, you're going to get caught in thoughts. These thoughts can be negative or judgmental or they could be dwelling about the past or worrying about the future. And you're going to start feeling your thinking. And if your thoughts or your thinking is stressful, you're going to start feeling stressed. If your thoughts are anxious, you're going to start feeling anxious. But if you can withdraw your attention from all that, these stories and all these thoughts and thinking, and you give your undivided attention to the present moment, 100% of yourself to the here and now, you start to experience peace because you're actually reconnect with the aspect of yourself that is already at peace, that's always at peace, that doesn't move, that's completely still. Some people call that awareness. Some people call that consciousness. Some people call it the witness or the silent observer. Or, or There's many different names for it. Some people even call it God. It doesn't matter what you call it. The most important thing is that you get to experience it directly. Because for me, it's a free peace. <laughs> it's the way to access true unconditional love and joy and magic and really honestly like reclaim your power to be fully free and fully alive 
I was meditating a, a long time, like, you know, years and years before I had my daughter. But mm. being a parent is, for me, it's so brilliant because I think children do this quite naturally. Mm-hmm. Like, I've noticed that she can just be present with something for hours to the point where after minutes I'm bored and my mind is going and she'll just want to stare at a blade of grass for hours. So what happens then? Like, are we born with this natural ability to be present and then does it get conditioned away from us? We're born present because we're not thinking. You know, one of the reasons I think people love to look in the eyes of a baby, I don't know anyone that goes, oh, no, baby eyes. You know, I like a lot of people like to look in the eyes of a baby. And one of the things that we see is this undiluted, pure awareness, absolute stillness looking back at us. The baby isn't thinking yet. The baby's not looking up at you going, my God, she's put on a few pounds or she needs to get her roots redone <laughs> or, or whatever. You know what I mean? The baby isn't thinking. And because it's not thinking, it's not judging. And because it's not judging, it's not bored or resisting. Because it's not thinking, it's not in the past or future. It's just present. And for the baby, it lasts a while. But when the mind starts kicking in, when we start getting trained to think, <laughs> and we start getting taught that thinking is more important than just being still and present, which is quite a conditioning that happens at school, I believe. You know, when we're trained to become little thinkers and doers and then eventually grow up to pay our taxes and, you know, be good little citizens, <laughs> we'll get a bit controversial here. But when we go into that kind of conditioning process, naturally, we start relying on our mind and ego more than the moment and this inner consciousness, this awareness. You know, when you start living from awareness as opposed to the mind, you start being able to really truly access intuition, clarity, wisdom, spontaneous knowing creativity. In my observation and investigation, it's actually how we're meant to be. We're not meant to be thinkers. We weren't born on this planet to think all the time. If thinking was natural, it wouldn't cause us so much stress, suffering, ill health, and premature deaths, and all that sort of stuff. If thinking was the way we're meant to be, it wouldn't cause so many problems. I think humanity is currently in the process of waking up to the recognition that actually we've been thinking way too much, And we need to get back to peace. We need to get back to presence. We need to get back to the present moment. And it's an inner calling, this. You know, a lot of people listening to this will have that, yeah, I want that. I know that. That feels true to me. I'm not here to spend my whole life in my mind. I'm here to enjoy my life in the moment, you know? Yeah. So I want to share something, if it's all right, about being present and being a parent. Because I'm a monk. It's a long story. But I have monk friends as well. And we're modern-day monks, so we can have partners and we can have children and families and all that sort of stuff and so I have monk friends who are raising kids and one of my monk friends I was hanging out with him in Edinburgh for the day of Edinburgh Festival you know a few years ago now and I remember seeing this little kid just sitting on his shoulders the whole day as we're hanging out I guess you would call it in modern terms perfectly behaved but I don't like to say that because but you know what I'm saying she was just sat there completely content completely peaceful, taking it all in. And he was able just to get on with the conversation with us. He wasn't having to entertain her the whole time or she was just hanging out. And I said, okay, after about five or six hours of this, you know, very peaceful kid just hanging out, enjoying the day and not demanding the attention, which I'd I'd seen in other kids and stuff so much. I was like, how are you doing this, my friend? How is this kid like this? 
He said, let me tell you a secret. Let me tell you something I found out. My baby, you know, the baby was born in the present moment. And if I'm present, I'm hanging out in the same place that she is. If I leave the moment and start thinking about stuff, as far as she is concerned, I've left and she has to start playing up to get me back to the present moment. Because the kids hang out in the present moment and the parent goes into time, goes into the mind, the baby can feel that and it reacts to that. Because as far as the baby's concerned, dad is gone. <laughs> dad has left the room, you know? What's happening? I don't feel as safe and secure anymore. I don't feel them with me. And so he said, it's incredible. It's an amazing thing he observed that if he left the room, i.e. went into his mind, went into time, went to past and future, started thinking, she would go, oh, what's happened? And start reacting and crying and playing up. But if he's just present, she felt safe. She felt secure and she felt like she was hanging out with him. It was a very powerful observation, I thought. I don't know if that's helpful for anybody yeah, listening. I've never had six hours <laughs> with <laughs> of that, but I have had pockets where I have been able to drop into like pure presence with Jessie and her behavior is totally different. It's yeah. absolutely fascinating. This is not something for a parent to beat themselves up over or to blame themselves. This is more, I'm hoping people take this as an invitation and an additional motivation for exploring this present moment thing we keep talking about. Well, I like talking about experiments, like experiment with it. See what happens mm -hmm. if you mm -hmm. can drop into maybe like five minutes or 10 minutes of just pure presence. Like see what happens. It's just an experiment, isn't it? It's just an invitation, as you say. Just to go back to what we were talking about, about how we're born with this peace, this ability to be peaceful, whatever's going on. Do you think then that when a parent, so let's, I'll talk about me, when I'm with my four-year-old and I leave the moment, she begins to feel unsafe. I get that. Do you think that's then when she starts to adapt her thinking in order to feel safe? Does that make sense? Like that adapted child is that where is I think that, I think, that, that I, think I think the survival will kick in and they will do whatever it takes to get attention because at that age we are completely dependent on this person feeding us and keeping us safe and warm and all the rest of it you know there's this inbuilt survival mechanism and they will learn strategies very quickly as to what it takes to get attention and yeah. to get the help that they need yeah if it proves to be a successful strategy they will repeat and repeat and repeat that strategy until a different strategy is presented that also provides their needs with less stress. The unconscious mind, which is really operating strongly at that point, the unconscious mind, because the conscious mind isn't really kicked in yet, the unconscious mind will always choose the path of least resistance, the easiest option, in other words. It wants to choose the path of least resistance. If we're going to crawl across the room, we're going to go the direct route as opposed to around the edges if we want to get somewhere. Does that make sense? Yeah. So it's going to choose the path of least resistance. The quickest, easiest option. And so if we can present our child with an easier option, a less stressful option than the current one they've picked up, then it might encourage a change of behavior. But what I would want to emphasize is, again, you just said something beautiful. You said, you know, we're born with this peace. And I want to emphasize peace is not what we think it is. <laughs> we throw this word around, this word peace around quite a lot. And it's a very confusing word because you might look at a child and the child's crying and you can say, well, that's not peace because we have an idea of what peace is. Yeah, like so, science cross-legged on a mountaintop. 
Exactly, exactly. <laughs> so peace is not the absence of emotion. You can have peace and emotion. Peace is the absence of suffering. There's a big difference there. Peace is the absence of suffering. Yes. What that means is, you know, one of my goals as an adult is to return to be more like a child, to have a kind of a relationship with, for example, my emotions like I did when I was younger. Let me explain what I mean by that. I'm not saying I'm going to roll around Marks and Spencer's, you know, having a tantrum or whatever. I'm not saying that. What I am saying is that if you look at a child, they are having the appropriate emotion for the moment they're having. They're having the appropriate emotion for the moment they're in. What does that mean? Well, one minute they're having one emotion, and you've seen how quickly the emotion can change to another one within moments, okay? Yeah, yeah. You see, we know this is a universal thing. Like, we know this. And people will say, oh, the kid's distracted from the thing before, and they're distracted. They'll distract the kid, and they'll feel better. No, no, the kid's not distracted. The kid's actually present and therefore has a different emotion because they've now immediately moved on to the new thing, and that new thing requires a new emotion. They're not dwelling like we adults do, yeah. reminiscing, going over things, thinking things, judging things, and that's what perpetuates emotions. So actually, in, in reality, the more you awaken and become more conscious and present, you'll find that your emotions come and go far quicker than previously. You know, I used to get upset and be annoyed or something, and I could be annoyed for days about something. It would linger. Yeah, same. And now... And that's one of the reasons I started doing all this thing, because I was fed up suffering and struggling. I just couldn't live with myself anymore. There's these emotions and stuff. I don't know if this is useful to anyone listening, but I want you to know that your kid has much to teach you, especially when it comes to being present, the relationship you have with your emotions. Because they're not dampening their emotions. They're not playing them down. They're not suffocating their emotions or suppressing their emotions like us adults often do. They're just expressing them, and then they move on to the next moment and express something else. So I don't want people to think that peace is the absence of emotion. Uh, we have peace by resting into our, who we really are, by being present. And when we're fully here and we're beyond the mind, we're no longer judging, resisting, attached to stuff, dwelling in the past, future. And as a natural consequence of that, there's no suffering. So there's a big difference. So when you started this whole conversation with me saying, how are you right now? The answer is, I'm not suffering. <laughs> I'm in peace. Mm -hmm. Is there lots of stuff going on? Absolutely. British Airways has cancelled my flight? Absolutely. <laughs> Do I know when I'm ever going to get home? No idea right now. Do I know if the coronavirus is going to completely kick in terribly in Mexico because the president doesn't appear to be taking it seriously? That's what the media is saying. I don't know what the truth is, but, you know, there's lots of things that I could go into my mind and start freaking out about yeah. or worrying about or resisting. Or I can just be here and meet reality where it's showing up. You've just made me think of something which I had forgotten and it's so powerful that I've remembered this now, which is that pain is inevitable and suffering mm -hmm. is optional. And can be optional. Yeah. Can be optional. And I yeah. heard that years ago and I never understood it. I was like, what is this? And I get it now, which speaks exactly to what you're saying, which is that this idea of pain, like I have felt grief. I have sobbed about the current situation because that's a totally appropriate emotional response to right now. You know, friends of mine are doctors on the front line and I've sobbed for them. Mm -hmm. But as you say, I have then moved on to the next feeling or the next moment. I haven't held mm -hmm. on and perpetuated that and made it suffering. And that's the thing. The difference between pain and suffering is thinking. Yeah. You, you can be present with pain and there's no suffering. 
Yes. If you start thinking about something, then that's where the suffering kicks in. It's such a simple message, but I just hope people get the difference. We're not suffering from circumstance or what's happening in our body or health or our relationships. or We're not suffering from any of that. We're suffering because we leave the moment we start thinking about stuff. You might go, well, it seems too simple. Truth is simple. Yes, but it's, <laughs> it is. yes, and I, is it Marianne Williamson or it's not difficult, but it is different. And I think that's what I'm hearing about this is that it's so simple, but it is so different to how most people live, isn't it? It's so different to how most people are taught in schools, in our families, which is why it can seem so confusing, I think, to start with this idea that actually peace is available in any moment. It's just our thinking. It is different and it's good to be different because the majority of people aren't fully happy. Yes. They aren't loving their life. Well, I wasn't. I hated my life. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, what sort of existence is that? I mean, yeah. we're not here to hate our life. We're here to live fully and savor every moment and make the most of every moment and fulfill our, use our gifts and talents that we were born with and fulfill our purpose for being. There's just so many things I could talk about. But what I'm trying to say is like, we're here for so much more than the average. And you have to be different or you will get average. You know, most people are walking off a cliff into depression, sadness, anxiety, or some sort of chronic ill health. If you look at the statistics, a lot of people are on that path. I yeah. choose not to walk that path. Well, it's become choose- so normal now, right? It's like normal. Normal, to, yeah. To hate your job, to have anxiety. And then you ask people how they're doing and they'll say, not bad. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's I'm, fun. I'm with you. Like, should no, I, I aim I, a bit higher? <laughs> I, probably, I probably. I, I think people listening to this, we might be preaching to the converted a little bit, but yes. I think a lot of people listening to this are follow your podcast because they've already answered the call. They do want more from life. They do want more joy and happiness and magic and peace and all the rest of it. You know, so I want to acknowledge whoever's listening to this. Well done. I'm not trying to be patronizing. I genuinely mean it. Well done for stepping up and waking up and stepping beyond the norm and doing this journey, this search for better than the average. It's- be different. I did a post on Instagram recently. I can't remember what it was, but I think it started. There might always be someone that wants to piss in your parade. I don't know if you remember that one. No. <laughs> but it was like, if blending in means becoming beige, no, thank you. We have to be willing to step up. We have to be willing for some people to not be comfortable with us being different because us being different makes them uncomfortable. Whose fault is that? <laughs> no, they're uncomfortable because we're a mirror to them that says you should do the same. <laughs> Stop compromising your life. Aim higher. <laughs> and that's uncomfortable. So it's more comfortable for them to pull you down. You know, this is why we have to choose our circle of friends wisely. <laughs> because, you know, we want to be around people that champion our differences and want us to be happy in our most authentic way and all the rest of it. As we're sort of winding to the end, I'm just wondering if someone is sat there listening to all this at this time, you know, of social isolation and, you know, we can't do the things that we currently can. You popped a post on Instagram about some ideas of what people can do. And I just wondered if you could <laughs> share some of those because some of them were brilliant. If someone's fired up by listening to you, what can they do? Like they turn this podcast off what is it that they could go and do differently than perhaps they would have done before putting the podcast on? I would like to share a little exercise that they can do to play with being more present, because I think that's a major theme that's come out of here. And you can't think yourself present. Thinking is the thing that is keeping you from being present. All right. 
So if you want to be present, you have to be willing to explore beyond thoughts and thinking and beyond the mind. And there's so many different ways you can do that. You know, people have heard from meditation, they've heard of mindfulness, they've heard of things like that. I have a little technique that is a really simple starter. It's called a reality check. Please don't dismiss this too soon if you think, oh, that's just another one of these mindfulness techniques. I've done that before because there is a subtle difference to this little technique. But as you're listening to this podcast now, I invite you just to be looking ahead at whatever you're currently already looking at. And without moving your eyes, just notice something in your field of vision that you previously weren't aware of. So without moving around your eyes, just notice something in your field of vision that you previously weren't aware of. So I've just suddenly become aware of the plug <laughs> over in the corner there. Now notice that something that you can hear that you previously weren't aware of. So a sound that's happening in your environment that you previously weren't aware of. I'm not saying just listen. I'm saying notice a sound that's been happening that you previously weren't aware of. And now notice something you're physically touching that you previously weren't aware of physically touching. It could be a very subtle, your arm inside your sleeve or your bum against the chair or your back against the chair or your foot against the floor, pressing against the ground. Just something that you're physically touching that you previously weren't aware of. That's why I call the quick reality check. It's super simple. And the trick with that I'm not just saying, well, look around and see what's there. You know, I'm not saying that. I'm saying just tune in and notice what's already there that you previously were not aware of. And you can do it either with sounds, touch or visual stuff. Why does this work so effectively at getting you more into the present moment? It's because it requires an inner shift, an inner heightened level of attentiveness to notice that thing that you previously weren't aware of. That inner heightened level of attentiveness is the key to being more present. Being present is very natural for us, but it is a different inner gear than we're used to hanging out in. We're used to kind of hanging out in the thinking gear, and we need to change gear and by heightening our inner attentiveness, and in doing so, we become present. And when we become present, we become aware. When we become present and aware, we start to experience what our present moment awareness feels like. And we discover our present moment awareness is still, is silent, is peaceful, is calm. And it's always that way. Peace never left us. We left peace. And we can return to peace anytime, anywhere. What a brilliant way to end. Let me just ask you the final question. I can't wait to hear your answer, which is, if you could give just one gift to all the mothers in the world right now, what would that gift be and why? You know, I read your email before and I asked my fiance because I was like, oh my God, I'm going to get asked this question. I have no idea what to say. I said, what would you ask for? My fiance is also a monk, by the way. Her new book comes out today. It's called Whole Ass. Highly recommend it. It's an amazing book, Whole Ass. Sorry for the shameless plug, but it is an amazing book. Anyway, she said, I would give all mums one thing, help. <laughs> <laughs> Does that make sense to you? Because I, I was like surprised by her answer. No, I'm not trying to sound to, ignorant. That makes total sense to me. <laughs> <laughs> they're trying to, she said, I said, why did you say that? It's like, because they're trying to do everything and they need some help. So I would do that. I would echo my fiance because she's a very wise person. Um, <laughs> but what I'd also add is I don't want to sound like a broken record, but I would honestly give people the gift of presence. The gift to be fully present in every moment is what I genuinely would give every mother. Because you wouldn't miss a moment with your child. It'd be much more magical, much more sacred, 
a lot less stress, a lot less heartache. There'd be so much joy and creativity and it'd be a lot more natural because you know how to do this. You've got this. Women have been doing this for forever. <laughs> you know, you've got this. And one of the reasons it's hard is because we leave the moment and we go into our mind. And like we said at the beginning, you go into all these external expectations and pressures and these new rules of what it means to be a mother. You've got this. Be present and let the natural motherhood come through. You know, it's beautiful. It's a beautiful thing. I'm so jealous. I'm never going to experience this. <laughs> you know, as a guy, I'm never going to experience it. It's a gift. And the best gift you can give yourself and others is presence your presence yeah thank you so much so that's it thank you for listening to the episode i hope you really enjoyed it and if you did please do leave a review on itunes it does make a massive difference to the number of mums that we can reach with this content if you were listening to that episode thinking about one of your friends that they might benefit from what we were chatting about then just tag them in on instagram my bio will include the link to the podcast so they can find it really easily from there people often tell me they're desperate to share it with their friends so if that's you then please do i feel like the guests that we have on the podcast their wisdom just deserves to be heard far and wide so help me make that happen i'd be very grateful and also, if you want to send me any comments or thoughts about the episode, then please pop over onto Instagram at motherkind underscore Zoe. And also just to let you know about my coaching. So I do work one-on-one -on -one with mums on my programme, which is a three-month programme called Reconnect to You. So if you want to work with me on taking your power back in any area of your life, then please do get in touch. Just drop me an email, zoe at motherkind.co or look on the website, www.motherkind.co. That's it. And I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day. Take care.